Most of you know I have a degenerative retinal disease, and uh, my doctor monitors me very closely. I'm still able to drive uh, during the day. It's, it got to the point uh, about a year and a half or two years ago that I could no longer read street signs. And uh, I had uh, kind of an old school phone, and uh, I was happy with that old school phone. And so one day, Jeff Eliff, executive pastor Jeff, and I were going to meet across town off Dixie Highway at a church. And we were going to participate in an ordination uh, service. So we're going to meet there, and I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Then we were going to drive back, uh, drive back here separately, of course. And, and so uh, Jalen says, are you all right? Do you need me to print off directions? Do you want me to go with you? And I said, no, I'm going to be fine. It's all right. It's Dixie Highway. I'm going to go to, I can't remember the street, and I'll, I'll turn there. And just a few blocks off that is where the church is. Dixie Highway is a long road not to be able to read street signs. And so I, I go to the end of Dixie Highway, and I have no idea where I am except I'm on Dixie Highway. Well, Jaylen calls, and she says, where are you? I said, I have no idea. I think I've been sucked into the vortex of Dixie Highway. I don't know where I am. And she said, do you need me to come get you? I said, no, I can see to drive. I just can't read the street signs. Let me see if I can't find my way back to where the ordination council is. Well, just like that, I knew what she did. She called, she called Jeff Eliff. So Jeff calls me on the phone. And he says, uh, Pastor, do you want me to come get you? I said, listen to me. I'll fire you right now if you're not careful about what you say next. <laughs> he said, listen, I don't mind. I'll just leave your car. I'll come get you. I said, no, I'm going to drive my car there. He said, where are you? I said, I am in the vortex of Dixie Highway. I have no idea where I am. He said, would you mind pulling off and then walking up? And Can you see the street sign if you get up next to it? I said, next time you're gone, buddy. Next time you're gone. I said, as I pulled off, I walked up. We're on the phone. I said, I'm here and there. I guess you're not very far away. He says, here, let me just guide you. Let me guide you in. And so he says, uh, pass through the next red light. You'll come to a stop sign. Turn right. Go two streets. Turn to the right. And I'll be out front uh, waiting for you. And sure enough, it uh, worked out just, uh, just fine. He kept his job. And... Uh, but it didn't turn out exactly right for me. Ted Cable is a good friend of mine, and my wife and my son who works for Verizon, John, they got together and they decided they're going to get me like a, a TV for a phone. And, uh, you know, they, they entice me with you can watch UofL football and basketball on it, and it can also give you verbal directions about where to turn and, and so forth. And, and uh, I've resisted using it on purpose for that, for that purpose, but... You know, it's very helpful to know where you're going. It's helpful to know where you've been, where you're going, and how you're going to get to where you're going. I think sometimes churches lose track of where they're going. You know, one week leads to the next week, leads to the next week, leads to the next week, and there's very little difference. That's the way it was for me going down Dixie Highway. One building looked like the next building, one street looked like the next street. And for a church... It's very easy for that to continue on, not just for weeks and months, but for years. You just gather together, you sing, you hear preaching, you go to your Bible fellowship group, and, and then you go home. But there's a lack of congregational cohesiveness. There's a lack of congregational awareness about who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing the things that we're doing. 
We could go through a, a litany of things that we're doing, and most of us could probably articulate a, a good number of them, but, but then we lose track about why. Why are we doing the things that we do? In one sense, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to take a look at the what, the why, and you in 2015. It's good to begin with who we are. Who are we? We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We exist because of him, and we exist for him. We belong to him. We are his people. We are his bride. We are his treasured possession. He loves us more than anyone on earth could possibly love us. He purchased us with the blood of his own son. And the truth of the matter is, we love him. We have a heartfelt desire to know him and to make him known in Louisville, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, in the United States of America, and literally around the world. We desire to be a multi-generational church, which requires a great deal of sacrifice from everybody. It's easy to be a church of 20-somethings. You can turn on a dime, you can change things overnight, and In some ways that's healthy, in some ways it's not very healthy. We could be a church of 70-somethings with a great deal of stability and longevity. And there's something good to be said for that, but there's something not so good about that either. When you're in your 20s, you lack wisdom from people that have lived into their 50s and 60s and 70s. And when you're a church of 70-somethings, you're just a few years away from beginning to close the doors. You know, we want to look like the kingdom of God. Red and yellow, black and white, elderly, children, and every age in between. We sometimes wonder, what, what's God doing in our church? Do you know, last year we had somewhere in the neighborhood of about 175 people join our church. Most people don't join our church by walking forward. They go to our Discover Ninth and O class. One of our pastors sits down with them and talks with them about, about their relationship with the, with the Lord. Some join by initiating the process by coming forward at the end of one of our services. In the first service, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 new members that were here that we lined up from the front. They stretched from this end all the way around to the other end, and that didn't include their children. I'm going to ask if you received a letter to, to alert you to this already. 
If you joined our church last year or just in the last few weeks, would you come down front and and stand along the front here for us just so we could get a look at you? Go ahead and come on down. There's fewer in this service, 50 or so that regularly attend this service that that joined on with us. And I want you to get get a look at these folks because they are a gift to us from God. They are gifted. They are passionate. They they love the Lord Jesus. Come on around a little bit even further down here and we'll connect with, uh, we'll connect down on this end. <laughs> now this, some of these are college students, some of them are single adults, uh, some of them are single professionals, some of them are couples without children, some of them are couples with five children. I mean, just the whole gamut of people. You know, sometimes we wonder, is what's God doing among us? Man, this is, this is a wonderful gift. And here's Miss Betts. Thank you, Miss Betts. What a gift. I want, I want you to recognize them, if you would, just this morning. And with, I want to say thank you very, very much. We're very excited to have you. Some of you have been with us ever since last January, and some have joined on just in the last short time. But, but I'd like to lead us in a congregational prayer for these people because we need their energy. We need their service. We need their camaraderie. We need their love and... and So many of them have already begun to make significant contributions in the life of our church. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that we have before us in this service and the earlier service. More people than some congregations have joined in a decade. And often it's not because of the congregation and are just located in a particular place where there's not a lot of potential for growth. On the other hand, Father, we know that that growth is not healthy growth where people are engaged and involved and become a part of the family isn't very helpful for them and it's not very helpful for the church. Thank you that these are not like that. I pray in Jesus' name that they would feel and sense and know the love of this church like so many of us do. And I pray in Jesus' name that they would grow to love this church as so many of us love her. And I pray, Father, that you would use them and engage them in the life and ministries of this church that we can benefit from their giftedness and their love for you. Thank you for them. Help us to love them, welcome them, and encourage them as they get involved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Now, we've got in both of our lobbies a a succinct purpose statement. Building community, strengthening the family, and reaching the world. That's a part of what we do. It's, it's succinct. It's easy to remember. But it's not all that we do. There's no way to, to communicate all that we do. That is in that little statement, building community, strengthening the family, reaching the world. It, do, it doesn't say anything in particular about senior adults. Though we have a full-time staff person whose ministry is to our senior adults. And then we have another staff person who gives a portion of his time to our senior adults. 
We have a very vibrant singles ministry. And when we talk about strengthening the family, we're talking about a couple of things. Not only strengthening people that are a part of a family, but preparing singles to have a family, if it be the Lord's will, and helping them to be a part of the bigger family, the family of Ninth and O Baptist Church. We have a staff member that gives himself to our single members and our college students. And so building community, strengthening the family, reaching the world, building community, strengthening the family, reaching the world, building community, strengthening the family, reaching the world. It's a part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. And there's no way we can encapsulate that in any kind of phrase or even a document. But what I want us to do today is I want us to to take a moment and think about where are we congregationally? Where are we going? What are some road signs that we need to stop and look at? And what kind of adjustments might we need to make congregationally and, and individually? There are really three things that I want us to think about, and then I want to give you four considerations for 2015. What do we do? We want to love the Savior passionately. We want to love the Savior passionately. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40 says this, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. When we gather together on Sunday, we, the staff, feel a high sense of responsibility to God and accountability to you that we spend significant time worshiping the Savior in song praying, giving, and then allowing God to speak to us from his word. Hearing what God would have to say about how we are to live our lives. We feel that our Bible fellowship groups need to be strong on their teaching and their instruction. And we're very, very particular about who teaches these groups and who, are, who is the director of of these Bible fellowship groups. We feel it absolutely imperative that these groups receive substantive teaching in a small group setting that enables them to interact with one another over the things related to the Word of God. We offer discipleship classes in our Deeper Life classes on Wednesday night. It gives us the opportunity to delve into specific issues and topics. In a prolonged period of time, four, five, six weeks that we're not able to do in a Sunday morning sermon series through a book or a portion of the Bible, we're able to look at finances and family life and holiness and and how to be a godly mom or a godly lady. That is, we want, to, we want to foster a passion for God that is all-consuming. We want to have a passion for God that monopolizes our minds and our hearts and our affections. 
So when we gather together on Sunday mornings, when we go to Bible fellowship group or to a deeper life class, it gives us a res- an opportunity to do just that. Fall in love with Jesus more. I want us to love God passionately. I want us to love and serve the church faithfully. I, I love this church, but I don't love it any more than so many of you love this church. And some of you have loved it a lot longer than I have loved it. And I want that, that love that, that, is, that has captured so many hearts at 9th and O. I want it to spread congregationally. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan said to Jesus, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to Satan, Go, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Now, we often separate what God has joined together. God has joined together worship and service, and a lot of us are worship people. And what we want most and foremost out of a church is good worship. But when it comes to service, our service is usually maybe in other realms outside the church. And we don't give back in service to the church. But the Lord Jesus has joined together worship and service. And I don't think Jesus accepts the worship very much of people that don't serve him. There's a lot of places to serve in this church. We're going to have 500 people here this Wednesday night. There's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 people that are going to be eating here. Most of them will have brought their food from home, crock pots, picked up pizza, uh, Chick-fil-A, or whatever it might be. And then about, about 6.15... Pastor Gomez is going to come up and say, it's all right, it's, we started at 5, it's 6.15, We're, we need to start tearing down, cleaning up, moving back the chairs, and we've got a lot of teenagers that have committed themselves to be here on Wednesday night before their discipleship groups, and, and they jump in and begin to do that, and we've got uh, kids that are wiping down uh, tables. It, it might be that Right now, you don't have a place to serve. Hey, come on Wednesday night and help take down tables. Worship and serve him. The Lord Jesus had an unbelievable love for children. That's why we're so committed to children's ministry here. We're going to have approximately 200 people in Awana on Wednesday night. I was up there two weeks ago in the Awana store just watching the the kids go through and and, uh, reminding myself of who's serving in our Awana ministry. And I was stunned by how gifted and godly the people are that are serving in Awana. 
And they have embraced serving children just as much as if their name were in neon lights leading a large Bible conference. We could use you in preschool ministry. We could use you helping keep track in your Bible fellowship groups of people that that are potentially falling through the cracks. You might go to your Bible fellowship group director. The director and the teacher are two of the most important roles in our church. And say to them, "Is, is there a way that I could serve you? Is there a way I could help you? Is there something I could do to minister and make your life easier? I could make, you, make your ministry better and see what they say. Our Bible fellowship groups are absolutely essential if you're going to love this church. This morning we will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% of our Sunday morning crowd meeting in a Bible fellowship group. This is why I am absolutely committed to keeping our Bible fellowship groups meeting on Sundays. Now, there's great benefits to having home groups, and there's much that can be said for it, and many churches do it very effectively and very well. I don't think any of them have 90% of their people from Sunday morning worship in a Bible fellowship group, and I'm not sure how many churches, percentage-wise, have as many children as we've got to take care of. That is, if you were to have a, a home group, one group told me they have about 30 or 35 people in it, adults. They've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 75 children. That's a church. And so you can imagine what that's going to do if you try to, try to put them into a house. Childcare could be a nightmare. But that's where you get to love people, get to know people, rub shoulders with people. I'm absolutely committed to our small group ministry in this church. I want you to love the church and serve the church. Number three, I want us to reach out to the world intentionally. I want us to reach out to the world intentionally. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Our Great Commission offering is goal is $78,000. We've been, we've been moving it up every year as we reach our goal. Uh, this year we're $15,000 behind where we were this time last year. Now remember our Great Commission offering goes to give scholarships to people that are in the process of adopting children, scholarships to people that are going on mission trips. 50% of it goes to our international mission board to help support. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of people out of our church that are on the mission field. This gives us a chance to help pay just a small fraction of their salary. We've got a portion that goes to help support North American missions. We've got various partnerships with Gallery Church, Reaching and Teaching Ministry, Eyes That See. All of those ministries are in part supported through our Great Commission 
offering. I want us to be intentional in our outreach. I want us to to love the world and reach out to the world. In light of that, there are four things I, I want you to pray with me about, and I'd like for you to concentrate with me on in 2015. Four areas that I think deserve congregational prayer and congregational concentration. Four things that we'll bring up from time to time so that we know where we're headed, what we're about this year, what we're focusing on. So one week doesn't look like the next week, look like the next week. And one street on Dixie Highway doesn't look like the next street on Dixie Highway, look like the next street on Dixie Highway. Uh, so, that there's a, so, so that there's some intentionality and thought about what we're doing. One thing I want you to pray with me about and concentrate on is faithfulness and attendance. For so many of you, this isn't an issue at all, but the Word of God says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. It's not a lot of people, but it's some people that need to hear this Word. But all of us need to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We had somewhere in the neighborhood of 160-some people join in uh, 2014, not including their children. Our average attendance is up about 75 people per week over the last year. Why isn't it up more? Well, there's a combination of things that we have to take into consideration. Some people relocate. And in this day and time, churches are inconsiderate when somebody joins them, going back and speaking to the church that they've come from and and asking if they're in good standing with us or or, uh, letting us know that they've joined their church as they've relocated. Uh, Some people just uh, slip away without us being able to recognize it, and we, we work on that, and we're doing better at that, and we've got a connections pastor that does a phenomenal job in that, in that realm. But an article that I read lately, or read recently, said the number one reason of decline in church attendance See, we, we blame it on secularism. We blame it on CNN and, and, and all of, the, all of the, worldly, the worldly things that the church is declining in numbers. The number one reason for ch- decline in church attendance is a lack of faithfulness in church members. It's not that, that the lostness of the world is causing the church to shrink. It's in the lack of commitment among the church members that's causing the church to decrease. An example that the article gave was, think about a church that runs 200 people, which is a large church in the Southern Baptist Convention when you consider we've got 60,000 churches or whatever. And they've got 200 active members, and, and every member misses one Sunday a month. At the end of the year, their attendance will have dropped 12% without anybody moving, dying, 
getting mad and changing churches. The average attendance will not be 200, it'll be 175. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will have a whole family stay home if just one child is sick. The interesting thing is they'll send the rest of the children off to school Monday through Friday, but everybody stays home if one of the three children is sick, mom, dad, and and all of them. And maybe there's times that that is necessary, but it sets, I think, a poor precedence for our children. Uh, We need to have high expectations of ourselves, and we need to have high expectations of one another. We need our Bible fellowship groups taking responsibility. If somebody has gone two consecutive weeks, that Bible fellowship group should take responsibility about finding out what's going on, what's happening in that family's life or that individual's life. And if, if you're a dad or a husband without children, and you're a casual attender, shame on you. You need to lead out. You need to be in front. You need to help lead your wife and your children into the things that are most important in life. The second thing I want us to concentrate on, and I want you to join me in prayer, is intentional outreach. Intentional outreach. I'm going to work with Philip over the next few weeks, and, and I don't know how we can get this out or bring it to our consciousness on a regular basis, but I would, I would like this to become like a mantra in our minds. Intercede, invest, invite. Intercede, invest, invite. Intercede, invest, invite. Now, when I brought that to Jeff, immediately he thought, invest. I like the way you're going with that money issue right there. <laughs> I'm, he's responsible for the oversight of the church funds. When I talk about intercede, invest, invite, I'm talking about looking who is in your world, your neighbors, coworkers, family members, friends that don't know Jesus or they're not walking with Jesus. Begin to pray for them regularly by name. That's intercede. Then begin to invest in them. Maybe it's the person that works the same shift that you do at the Walmart. Men with men, ladies with ladies. And you begin to ask, hey, let's take, let's take our breaks at the same time tonight if we can work it out. And I'll buy you a Coca-Cola and we can talk about the ball game. Hey, why don't you and your family come on over uh, Saturday week. We'll have a cookout and, and, uh, and we'll spend the afternoon together. Your family, my family. That is, you pray about it and then you begin to invest in that relationship. And then you invite them. You invite them to church. You invite them to your Bible fellowship group. Hopefully Bible fellowship groups will take ownership of this. Directors and teachers will see, uh, intercede, invest, invite, and they'll take it into the Bible fellowship group. And then you invite them to Jesus. You invite them to know the Savior. Intercede, invest, invite. Maybe your Bible fellowship group will decide, hey, in the spring, let's have a block party. We'll divide up into two groups. One group have a block party. 
Another group have a block party or have a cookout and everybody invite somebody that doesn't know Jesus or has wandered away from Jesus. We'll play volleyball, cook hamburgers and hot dogs, and then as casual conversation allows it, we'll just invite them, hey, why don't you come to church with us? Some people say, well, you know, that's manipulative and coercive. So be it. That person's going to go to hell, and God has put us in a relationship with them. How can we not intercede, invest, invite? How do people get saved? People pray for them. People invest in that relationship. And then they invite them to meet Jesus. Number three, I want us to concentrate and pray about growth and sacrificial giving. When you talk about money, it's always a sensitive topic. You know, we had 484 families or individual family units or individuals who contributed to our church in 2014. It might be the teenager with the part-time job that, that gives out of their resources or a professional person. 39% of our congregation gave less than $1,000. Of that, I mean of the 484 units that gave. 56% of those units gave less than $2,000. 65% gave less than $3,000. Now, I don't know who, who any of those people are. I didn't put the statistics together, nor did anyone on our ministerial staff. We asked our financial team to, to put this together, our financial staff. So we don't have any names. We don't know any individuals. About 12% of those 484 gave over $7,000 a year. The interesting thing is the top 12% gave 49% of our total receipts. So 12% of our congregation carried almost 50% of the financial load, while 88% of the congregation gave less than that. Gave altogether, 88% gave less than 50%. They get well, they gave 51% of all of our total receipts. 88%. Now, what I'm asking is that you would pray about being sacrificial, which doesn't mean that we're all going to give the same amount because we make different amounts of money. But we can all be equally sacrificial. It's a good time. You've, you've gotten your tax statements. If you haven't received them from the church yet, you can get them in the lobby after the next service. You can open it up, you can look at it, and you can see exactly how much you gave. I had one of our best folks come to me last year, I'm a very, very good person, loves this church, serves this church, came to me at the end of the year, he said, listen, I am, 
I'm absolutely ashamed by what I gave. I thought I was giving regularly, and he said, I didn't give anywhere near what I should have given, but I thought I did. And he said, Pastor, that's going to change. Well, that's, I think, a good approach, a good disposition, a good attitude. The last thing I want you to think about with me is concentrated, laser-focused prayer for the church leadership, both the ministerial leadership and the lay leadership and the various ministries of the church. But as Vacation Bible School, when it comes up, that is one of the most important outreach events of our congregational year. And if we had hundreds of people praying that this community would be, we would be saturated with lost children from lost families in this area coming to Vacation Bible School, that would be phenomenal. Praying for our mission trips and our missionaries on the field. John Stott, John Stott put it, put it this way. Prayer is the very way God himself has chosen for us to express our conscious need of him and our humble dependence upon him. We are a blessed people, and you are a blessing to me and to our church staff. We just want to grow, develop, mature, and become more and more what Jesus would want us to be. We're going to have a time of, of commitment. It may be that this morning you've already decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to join. I hadn't thought about coming forward. I thought about maybe going to the class first, but maybe you would just come down this morning and, and let us introduce you to someone that will walk you through the membership, the membership process. Or maybe you're here today and, and your life is in absolute turmoil. You don't know Jesus. You're not a part of this church. You're not interested that much in a lot of the things that I said, but you are interested in Jesus. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to just sit down with you. We'll introduce you to someone. They'll talk with you in a, in a, in a comfortable setting. And, and you can be upfront, plain-spoken, honest, direct with them about where you are in life and they can open up the Bible with you and talk with you about how you can know Jesus, forgiveness of sin, and life transformation. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. We're all going to join together in song in just a moment. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have this morning to be the people of God and to be the people of God here at Ninth and O Baptist Church. Thank you for that, for that magnificent parade of people that you have sent to us. Help us to be faithful shepherds to them and help them to be faithful members here. Now in these final moments, we ask you in Jesus' name to give us the grace to respond in the way that's pleasing to you. Amen.